The 1960s were a decade of protest. The civil rights movement, protests against the Vietnam War, protests for women's equality, and alongside all of that social unrest, there are also groups of young Americans who just wanted to escape the system entirely, to hell with social norms, to hell with the rat race of capitalism. They were going to create their own intentional communities, their own communes, and they fled the big cities for these rural settings. The community known as Libre was established in 1968. And to this day, in a sunny meadow overlooking the Sangre de Cristo mountain range, there are two geodesic domes that sit side by side. And one early morning in 1974, a baby was born in the smaller of those two domes. And that baby grew up to be our very own mix engineer, Luce Fleming. Hey, Dylan. Hey, how you doing? Good, good. Yeah, that sound of the baby crying isn't me. I found it in a sound effects library, so yeah. Fine, fine, fine. But you all get the idea. This is Atlas Obscura a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. I'm Luce Fleming, and today I'm going to introduce you to Libre, an artist community created over 50 years ago. Plus, we get to meet your mom, who was one of the founding members. That's right. It's going to be awesome. We meet Luce's mom after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites— along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. I'm Linda Fleming. I'm an artist. I'm a sculptor, a professor emeritus at California College of the Arts, and exhibit throughout the United States and do large outdoor sculpture as well. And Luce Fleming is my son. This is Linda today, a successful artist and retired professor. But back in the 1960s, she and my dad, Dean Fleming, were just a couple of young artists in New York City. When we lived in New York, we'd be in our studios and then we'd go out at night and find each other. But you had to go through all kinds of horror to find the people that you wanted to talk to. So we thought, wouldn't it be great to just 
have a place where there was a beautiful landscape between you and the people you wanted to talk to. The original idea for Libre was to create a place for artists and writers and thinkers to come for periods of time and then go back to the cities and go back and forth. The only way I can function, I found, is to have both. My parents had heard of a man who'd started his own intentional community in New Mexico, and he was also donating his inheritance to people who wanted to start their own communities. So, just like that, my parents were shopping for land in Colorado with two friends, Peter Rabbit and Judy Douthit. The first moment we set foot on the land, it was just about sunset. And we went up a hill and across a creek and up into a big, beautiful open meadow. The land is at 8,500 to 9,000 feet above sea level. So it's way up in the mountains. And it was just so spectacularly beautiful. The sunlight was still on the flowers in the meadow. And so we just said, this is it. This is the place. Our land was $35 an acre. We bought 360 acres for $12,600, bordered by national forest and, and with two streams. And do you remember the first structure you all built there? Yeah, we built two simultaneously, hmm. a 40-foot geodesic dome and a building called a zone. And we divided it uh, gender-wise. The men worked on the floors and pillars for foundations. And Judy and I had a radial arm saw, and we cut all the lumber hmm. at these very complicated angles with this radial arm saw. How did it feel to go from being, you know, a, a working artist uh, in New York City to trying to make a giant dome in the mountains of Colorado? That's a big change. I was 22, hmm. but I was very, very attached to New York at that point, and I'd never built anything. I'd really only walked across sidewalks. So walking across the meadows was really a learned experience. There were so many things to learn. It was almost overwhelming, except we had time Hmm. to learn them. So you're 22, you go, you do this this kind of incredible transformation in your life. When does Luce show up into this scene? Luce was born in 1974. So that was six years after we bought the land and and built our our houses. And we had by then a pretty robust community and there were a whole gang of children that had incredible freedom Hmm. to run throughout the land. They were a wild pack of creatures and they got physically strong and amazingly curious so, Luce, do you, I mean, what was your experience of growing up in Libre? As a child, it was amazing. I only knew freedom. I mean, my mom has stories of letting me walk out the door when I could barely walk and just letting me go into the field and sort of hiding and not even letting me know that she was there. And those are memories that I don't even have. My own sense of space and independence and freedom 
goes back before I can remember. And this is uh, maybe an unfair question. What is Libre? Like, if you had to describe it in a <laughs> sentence, what is it? Well, Libre means free. And I think it's aptly named. It's a place where you can truly be yourself and be able to sit with your own thoughts and not be distracted and create. You know, I can make an analogy as an artist. I've learned that having a studio, you go into the studio and it's like having an expanded mind. Your mind can escape your body and you can have things in your studio that you move around and you observe and you make, and you participate with and your mind grows larger because of having that space. And Libre is that space. And it's a place where I learned how to see. I learned how to watch things. I'd watch the stream and hear the sound of the water and try to see what was making the sound, where the water was hitting that rock at that moment when that sound happened. Just trying to focus on what's there. You know, every pine needle every ant, ant hill, and the creatures, the animals that are there, I learned how to look at them. You know, it's, it's a very idyllic kind of space you're describing, but it's also difficult to do things as a community. It's difficult to build new infrastructure as it's needed. Were there times when it just felt like too much, too challenging? Absolutely. <laughs> it definitely felt difficult. And I left several times not knowing whether I would come back. I left 10 years after we got the land. So at that point, I guess I was 32 and I was in New York and I love New York. But when you're in the city, you're kind of one thing. People think of you as one thing. Hmm. But at Libre, you, you'd be everything. You'd dig the ditches, you'd wear the gowns, you'd build the house, you'd have the dinner party, you'd make the work, you'd have an exhibition, you'd grow the food. You you did everything. And that was really, really, really incredibly informative. Wow. What about, Luz, what about you? Did you, as a teenager, were there ever a time where you thought, get me out of this <laughs> mountain, I gotta go? <laughs> yeah, there were definitely several moments. And um, it's a scary thing to spend time with yourself alone hmm. growing up. And it can be very lonely. Uh, especially as an only child. But when you allow yourself to get past that fear and that uncomfortable space, uh, it's it's an amazing place to be able to reflect. It's amazing because both of you described it as a state of mind or a state of being. And never, yeah. <laughs> rather than any of its sort of physical or, or kind of other qualities, it, it is obviously a place that lives inside of you as much as it does externally to you, or it does both simultaneously. Exactly. I, I struggle with this sort of deep question, both as a parent, personally, and kind of in a wider social context, which is just this idea of both simultaneously wanting to be immersed and enmeshed in the world, and also a deep desire to sort of pull away into my own space, our own kind of family space, a small community space. But, you know, I think one of the things that is hard for people when they think about doing something like Libre is they feel 
or at least I th- feel this way sometimes, is, oh, am I opting out? Am I opting out of the world? And is that a fair thing to um, do to my kids? Does it make sense to, to take them out of the world in that kind of way? With a small child, I think that was something that was really on my mind that you perhaps are facing, and that is how much do you allow them to immerse themselves in all the distractions mm-hmm. that exist in the world? The computers were not there, but television was really prominent, and we didn't have television. And when we went to New York, when Luce was two and a half, he went to a really wonderful preschool in Soho called the Children's Energy Center. And he had never watched TV. He didn't know who the characters were in the cartoons. And the kids thought he was kind of slow. And I realized that the way we were living was imposing this kind of deprivation on him. So we got him a TV. And then one day he, I came to school and his teacher said, I think you should know that he's making stories up. And I said, well, what did he say? And she said, well, he said, I live in a teepee <laughs> and I live on a mountain. And in fact, we were living in a teepee <laughs> while I was building my house. <laughs> and he was living on the mountain. And it, and it was so preposterous. Nobody believed it. So I realized I had to be really careful about how restrictive I was or how I allowed you know, the world to rush in. Mm, Yeah. So I'm going to ask a question that I think I know the answer to, but I'm going to ask it anyway. (laughs) Does Libre still exist? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Libre still exists, but Libre has changed enormously because we're all of a similar age. Mm. It's not like a village that replaces itself. Our children have all left. And I would be very sad if they had stayed, which sounds really horrible. But we came to Libre all with educations and knowledge of the world, and everybody who was at Libre had a life before. How big is it? How many people are are, are there? Well, now there are about 12 or 13 who live on the land most of the year. Mm -hmm. But we have Libre itself has 21 members. We have all of the children as members now. So the children, 40, 50, 55. Well, you'll you'll see your child is always your child. (laughs) Do you want Libre to survive into another generation? Or do you think that it's okay? if it may cease to exist when when you guys uh, die. It was pointed out to me by a man named Tim Miller at the University of Kansas, and he has the, the most extensive archive of intentional communities. Hmm. And he said the people that start communities are very, very different than the people who join communities. Hmm. I love that land. And I love it that it's a place where that's welcoming to me as a human. Um, And if it could be cared for somehow, that would be great. But I also think of Luz and my grandchild and 
how valuable it is to have such a thing in the world and is it possible to ever get something like that again we we lived in a really strange time where we were able to buy the land for almost nothing and the money to buy it was given to us by a friend so this was a gift and i feel that the gift should be given this is my last question, and I ask it with <laughs> maybe a tinge of, of desperation. <laughs> I've thought so much about this and talked to friends. And now at this point, I'm almost 40, and you know I've got kids, seven and a four-year-old. And I, is it possible to do something like this? Uh, again, is it possible for sort of normal people to, to undertake something like Libre? Oh, um, I don't know. Hmm. I really don't know if it is. When we did Libre, there was so much surplus in the world. We built our places for almost nothing. We had very little money. We had The land was paid for, which was extraordinary. We had no debt. We had no college debt. College debt didn't exist. So we had that kind of freedom. And that is really hard to come by right now. Mm-hmm. And the land is so expensive. But I know there must be a way to find situations in the surplus of the world as it exists now. There are whole towns, beautiful towns in the middle of the country that anybody could move into with their friends and create a whole incredible world. I think it's possible couldn't do what we did so easily, but could do the spirit of that in a different way. Luce, are there any thoughts that you want to share about your time there or, or what the place means to you? Yeah, you know, when we were talking about the future of Libre, I was kind of thinking about time. And Libre just recently had its 54th birthday in May of 2022. And though that might seem like a long time in terms of intentional communities, it's just a blip in terms of the larger history of the area. You know, the land that Libre sits on has been occupied by humans for 20,000 years. The entire Libre community is extremely lucky and privileged to exist on the traditional lands of the Ute, Apache, Arapaho, Comanche, and Cheyenne nations. Many of their descendants still live in the area today, and they're our friends and our neighbors. And if you look closely enough, you can find old stone tools in the soil around Libre. Some of these tools date back almost 10,000 years. And if you look a little closer, you can find chunks of petrified wood that came from a sequoia forest that stood on the land tens of millions of years ago. And that petrified wood can be found next to fossils that came from sea creatures that inhabited the area when it was underwater hundreds of millions of years ago. So, yeah, part of me hopes that my great-grandkids will be able to love and appreciate Libre just as much as I do. Hmm. But another part of me knows that everything is finite. Even if the Libre community lasts another hundred years, it's just part of a much larger sweep of time. Well, thank you to the both of you. This is really so wonderful to talk to the two of you. Great. Thank you, Dylan.
The Atlas Obscura podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. A special thanks today to Linda Fleming and her son and our mix engineer, Luce Fleming. Thank you for bringing us this story and all the care and artistry that you bring to the show. I think this gave me a little insight into why you are such an incredible audio wizard. I also want to give a shout out to James Ash for providing the original music used in this episode. This episode was produced and mixed by none other than Luce Fleming. It was edited by John Delore, and the production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder Arnold, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire Seuss, Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore. And our technical director is Casey Holford. Our theme and end credit music are by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. Now get out there and find your very own Libre. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Have you ever spotted McDonald's hot, crispy fries right as they're being scooped into the carton? And time just stands still. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow.